as I've often said, uh, my ventures in levity from the pulpit have been brief and very painful, and there's another one. Okay. Turn to, uh, <laughs> you have your Bibles, turn to 2 Timothy chapter 4. <clears throat> this really isn't the message I wanted to preach. Initially, I had another message worked out. And then uh, I'd been uh, doing some reading and some, uh, some other study, and then I, uh, I came across this, uh, these verses. I believe it was in a devotional, and I decided that the Lord wanted me to study it out, and then I got studying it out, and then he said, well, this is what I want you to preach. So I'm thankful for that. It's been a good study. I've never spent, I don't think, a fruitless moment in the study of God's Word. Whether it's ever been a, always a blessing to the congregation or the people that I'm you know, teaching or preaching for, it's always been a blessing to me. So, 2 Timothy chapter 4 begins in verse 1. <clears throat> I charge thee therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom. Preach the word, be instant in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort, with all longsuffering and doctrine, for the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lusts shall heap to themselves teachers having itching ears, and they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned unto fables. <clears throat> Let's pray. Father God, we do thank you for the opportunity we have to assemble this evening for the matter of worship and praise to you, our great God. Again, we look to you for all the strength and guidance in our life. I pray, God, that you'd help us to be found <clears throat> faithful servants. Lord, that we would be willing to do whatever you'd have us to do, whatever, wherever you'd have us to go in furtherance of the gospel. Lord, we pray that you'd give us souls, souls here in North Pole, Fairbanks. You'd give us souls in the native population stretching across our state, north, south, east, and west. You'd give us souls in the far-front fields in Africa and in the, and in the, uh, in the, in the far east also, Lord, as uh, we see your hand working through the missionaries. We are, we are uh, blessed to be able to support. I pray, God, that you'd help us in these days to be, again, to be found faithful. You'd help us to know the truth, to be able to share the truth. All for your honor and glory, I pray in Christ's name. Amen. So I just titled this message simply, The Charge to Preach the Word to be Instant in Season. <clears throat> that word charge, you know, today carries many, many uh, different nuances. You know, real familiar with charge cards and Teddy Roosevelt's charge up San Juan Hill and, you know, the anti-submarine devices, depth charges. Oh, they, all have, they all have their particular meanings, but this charge means something much, much different. Webster says in the English language, this, this means to entrust to, this is important, this is a lot of what this message hinges on right here. The word charge is something that's entrusted to an officer as he is charged with dispatches. 
to lay on, to give or communicate as an order, command, or earnestly request to enjoin, to exhort. In this introduction, it carries with it the idea of the responsibility that all believers have to execute or carry out the charges, the charge that we were given in this text. Um, <clears throat> this charge is given to us by our great Creator and God the Lord Jesus Christ, the Creator of heaven and earth and all it is. He's our sovereign King and Lord. He has the authority to institute his laws and to dictate orders or charges to all those who are citizens of his kingdom. And as I thought on this, and I looked at that, that phrase in the definition of a charge, about it's, it's a charge is something that's entrusted as an officer is charged with dispatches. And so as you get the context of what Paul is talking about here, it says, preach the word. And so what we've been charged with, what we've been entrusted with, what we are responsible to do is to take God's word out into the world and share it with all the world's people. And as I thought upon this matter of an officer, well, an officer or official has, has a special standing as, as well, it has a responsibility also, but it has a, a special tan, a standing before those that he officiates for. And as I thought on that, I thought about this verse from 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 20. Just hold your place there in Timothy. And, and let's go over to that verse because this is a, a lot of what the sum and substance of this message is about this evening. The Bible says there, Paul addressing the church at Corinth, he said, now, now then we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God did beseech you by us, we pray you in Christ's stead be ye therefore reconciled to God. And so he says here that we're to be ambassadors for Christ, as though God did beseech you by us. And so Paul is saying, now, this is what we did before you. We spoke to you how you're to be a representative of the Lord Jesus Christ, presenting the gospel to the world's people that are around you. And the term ambassador, it means a minister of the highest rank, employed by one prince of state at the court of another to manage public concerns of his own prince of state and representing the people and dignity of his sovereign. So it has a lot about the responsibility that this, that this ambassador, this representative, it says there that we are ambassadors. We are an official representative of the God of heaven and earth and all that is. And he has given us the charge he has given us this unction, he's given this responsibility to preach the word, to take the word of God to all the world's people. And he uses that phrase Webster does, you know, if, you're, if you ever get uh, looking in your uh, college dictionary or something, you're not going to find these kind of definitions. I use only the Webster's 1828 dictionary, because it has the, 
the, the descriptions and the, and the, uh, and the meanings of the words closest to that, what the in King James translators used when they translated the text Greek over into the, into the uh, English. But the picture there is that we are um, uh, a delegated representative by our God and our sovereign. And the, the fact that he is our sovereign indicates truly that he, we recognize that he has the right to rule in our life and that he, and he exercises his sovereignty over a blanket <laughs> over this whole earth, every part of this, his kingdom in this created realm. And then I thought too about this matter, you know, ambassadors, they always have, we think about an ambassador and he and he's, uh, has an embassy. We think about the embassy as being the building that the, that the ambassador lives in and he works in and so on. But really the definition of the embassy, the embassy as we should look at it, the embassy was the message or public function of the ambassador, the charge or employment of a public minister where ambassadors are envoy, envoys, the word, uh, the word of God goes out. And so what God wants us to be is a visible, vocal, voluntary witness of him and his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. And so <clears throat> we need to always know and remember that whatever come what may, that as our sovereign God, he does have the right to rule in our life and that <clears throat> we should be sensitive to take and receive the orders from headquarters as he gives them and to know and to obey them. And it says there <clears throat> to be preach the word. Preaching is simply sharing what we know of God's word with the people around us. And this matter about ambassadors, uh, I, I forget, oh, I should mention this, that there are a lot of plenty of, of uh, female lady ambassadors. One of most notably, and from my, well, even from before my era was Shirley Temple Black. She'd been a film star, and she later became uh, emissary, an ambassador to the countries of Ghana and Czechoslovakia. So... Ladies, you're not exempt as ambassadors. You have, you have the same standing in Christ as, as a male or anybody else. We're all the same in the in part of God's family and also have of the same uh, responsibility to be a witness and to be able to share the gospel with starting with your family and then out into the world, however God visits you. When it says there to be instant, in season, out of season, the, uh, the word instant has the idea of being present or being ready. That we should be ready and prepared to preach the gospel, to share the gospel, whenever we may have opportunity to do so. And it means that, also it means that we need to be not just passively, you know, just kind of drifting along and taking things come as, come as may, but we'd also be actively reaching out to others. Like I know many of you do, you, when you start talking to people in the workplace, you start trying to cultivate a uh, relationship, you know, and 
I tried to do that in my workplace. I always had an ulterior motive. Ulterior motives aren't bad if they have a good purpose behind them. And I tried to get to know the delivery guys, the, I tried to get to know the, the contractors and so on, so I could talk to them a little bit and sow a little bit of seed and see what they would react. And, you know, there was a few that I was able to talk to some of these guys time on time. I even met one guy in the jail one time. Well, we need to be ready for whatever comes. That's to be incident season. That means that we would be ready to go whenever it's convenient for us. But out of season, this, uh, this word is kind of the opposite of the former one. It means that we would seek opportunities to preach the gospel even uh, at such times when it might be inconvenient to us or when we might be, suffer hindrances or embarrassments or persecutions. That is what it is to be out of season, to be prepared when those times come. Uh, and, and then again, to be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh the reason of the hope that is in us with meekness and fear. Um, there is no blanket way that I've ever found to really to, to you know, to uh, open a door with somebody, except to Sometimes that's to witness to them, to ask them what they know about God and, or, you know, uh, what they think about certain things that are going on in the world and how it would relate to them. And how does God's word relate to you or how does this, what is this, how does this strike your heart? And sometimes you'll get just, you know, just like when you go door knocking, the door slams closed. But sometimes uh, the door, it serves to open the door. You know, and I've got dozens of those little icebreaker tracks, those motion things, and some of the uh, tracks and so on. People, uh, the colored tracks work really good. People like that. They're, they'll track that sometimes they'll e at least look at it and then, you know, to get a chance to even to look at a little bit of Word of God. It's, it's something that's better than nothing. So we need to not confine ourselves to any avenue of being, having the opportunity to share God's word and uh, particularly the gospel. <clears throat> and though these thoughts about being instant in season and out of season, they carry with it the idea that we would be prepared to know God's word, that when the times come, we know how to give a reply, how we can give an answer, how that we can sow seed that would be productive. In 2 Timothy 2.15, it says, Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Study takes is, is work. Uh, it takes time. It takes using the knowledge that you have and, and seeking to build upon it and to grow an ever-increasing base of knowledge of Scripture so that when you have the opportunity, when it's presented to you, or when you seek to develop an opportunity, that you can then minister to that person in a way that, from Scripture, um, it's like as Pastor Humphrey has said many times, and I, I've learned, I never argue Scripture. Never. Lay it out there. You don't make excuses for the book. You don't make excuses for your God. 
You don't make excuses for what you believe. Just give them God's word and let God's word work. It'll work its end either to open their eyes and ears, or it may serve to harden their heart. But that's, uh, <coughs> God's word always has an effect when it goes out. And to study, we, don't, uh, we aren't in it to, uh, to get degrees or to have approbation before men, but that God would, uh, when he sees his, you know, when he sees me, his little boy, you know, out there struggling, trying to put together a message or I'm trying to have some good prayer time or something. And, and um, it's in times those, as, as Pastor has been talking about, the office of the Holy Spirit, when he, when he comes and sits down with me, you know, and uh, draws me close. And he talks to me a little bit. And he lets me know that his presence is ever there. Um, he's always there for me. Come what may, what I do. <clears throat> I just, uh, my heartfelt desire is to try to please my God by obeying him and do as much as I can to further his glory in this kingdom of this world. And so, again, a key phrase there is rightly dividing the word of truth. There's a lot of groups and a lot of preachers that fail to do just that. Rightly divide the word of truth. You can't, you can't allow pre-existing uh, dogma or doctrine to cloud uh, how you look at scripture and how you share it with others. You know, we're, we're, we're blessed, most of you, a lot of you were born into New Testament churches. Most of you or all of you have been spent a lot of time under the ministry of pastors who would, without the fear and favor of men, have preached this, just fulfilled this very uh, charge to preach the word. And we're going to look at those other things to reprove, rebuke, exhort with all longsuffering and doctrine. That's how people are saved, and that's how people are built up in God's word. Okay, so let's look at that first term there. Let's go, if you're in, still in Timothy, after he says, <clears throat> after he says, preach the word, be instant in season, out of season. So whenever the, the, a chance affords itself, however it does, under whatever circumstances, then he says to reprove. Well, to reprove means that we need to, that sin must be pointed out. This is where the, the rubber begins to meet the road. And this is oftentimes where people will really put the brakes on when you begin to talk, talk to them about sin and what it is and what it does. Some people will not want to hear anymore, but nevertheless, we need to be able to get our foot in the door with them. The Holy Spirit needs to be able to get to work through Scripture. And so the definition of reprove is to convince of a fault or to make it manifest or known. Um, you know, the, the truth is, is that most of the world's people are going through life and, they, and they're lost and headed to hell, but they don't know it. Millions or billions in the Muslim world, millions and millions and millions in the Oriental world, in the 
India, Bangladesh, Pakistan, and so on, in, the, in, in Japan, have belief systems that are, have nothing to do with the truth. <laughs> and to, for them, they need to know and understand if they need to have to get them out of their comfort zone. Uh, many people in Protestant denominations, I've got a lot of cousins and on both sides of the German and Swede family, they're Lutherans or Methodists. And, and when you try to talk to them, even my brother and sister, they all goes back to what they were taught or heard or what feels good to them today. They don't want to hear about themselves as being a sinner. They don't want to hear and, and have any thought about that they aren't good people. That's when you start giving them God's word and challenging them with, you know, uh, that, you know, the Ray Comfort formula. Are, do you consider yourself a good person? That could be a good door opener right there. Just that one little phrase. Yeah, well, then you begin to show them what the Bible says. You don't want to hold up anything that, that comes from you. You want everything to come from God's word. That's what ambassadors do. They're taking and they're conveying the message from, from their, we are, from our sovereign God to the world's people. John 16, verse 8, it says, When he, that's the Holy Spirit, we've had quite a bit of teaching on the Holy Spirit lately, and that's very good. When he has come, the Holy Spirit has come, he will reprove the world of sin and righteousness and judgment to come. That's where it starts. To shake people up and to show them that, that for instance, that the wages of sin is death. Uh, that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And that if they're <clears throat> to have a, a right relationship with God, it's only gonna come through the dictates of this book. Uh, this is where, again, we're rightly dividing the truth comes in. <clears throat> many, the Protestant, Catholic, and many of these people in some of the cults, Jehovah Witness and so on, they, they have this book and they'll use it, but they, they choose to edit out the things that doesn't fit with their belief system. And they'll hammer on certain, or focus on certain one or two verses that tend to prove their, their, uh, their, their belief system. And that is uh, something that is a, a pitfall, not just to them, but all the people that are sitting in their congregation, that to me, it's that... <clears throat> It's that old, that old rockabye baby in the treetop. I've used that analogy. I think I've used that a few times in the preaching, you know, rockabye baby in the treetop. When the wind blows, the cradle will rock. When the bow breaks, the cradle will fall and down will come baby, cradle and all. The baby is that innocent, beautiful little, little creature like little Izzy or or, uh, <laughs> yeah, the little sweetheart back there that her dad is holding. In a, in a cradle up in the top of a tree and the sun is shining on it and the breeze is blowing and they're just rocking back and forth and they're just comfortable and safe and everything is fine and good until the bow breaks and then they fall and then comes their ruin. Well, no responsible parent would ever do that but what I'm saying is that many people have been lulled to sleep by denominational heresy 
and they become so comfortable in it that they'll just rest there just like that little baby in the sun, just comfortable and just going along with the flow with what they hear, never challenging the truth themselves to study God's word and see what it really says. And then when the ball breaks, when the day comes when they die, they find themselves headed <clears throat> to the fires of hell because they believe the lie rather than coming to the truth. So it says to reprove, and then it says to rebuke. The rebuke is a stern warning. Men need to know sin's outcome and what it brings. In uh, the book of Ezekiel chapter 18, twice it says, the soul that sinneth it shall die. It means that it will be separated from God. <clears throat> in having a, a spiritual relationship or a oneness with God. And, uh, you know, again, people need to, sometimes they need to be fed information that they can make evaluations, that they can make with the knowledge that they have, that they would seek to, to conform what they know and believe with this book, that you could show them the light and the right, and then they have the opportunity to, to judge what they believe with what the Bible says. And for many people that are in spiritual darkness, sometimes it takes, it takes time. It might have to feed them a little bit here, a little bit there. But in the end, hopefully, if they'll receive truth and no blessing. And so it says in Romans 16, verse 8, Now we know that what things soever the law saith, and that extends not just from the Ten Commandments, all of God's word, it saith to them who are under the law, and that's everybody, Nobody's exempt from God's law. It says that every mouth may be stopped and all the world may become guilty before God. And so that is one of the offices again of what the Holy Spirit does. When he reproves and then he begins to rebuke, he shows people what they need, their, their need. And then the only way it can be supplied is through faith in Christ. And, you know, I've been exposed to some of the teaching and the philosophies of that, that go on, that they're taught and trained in the, in the jail. And it is distressing, to say the least. Uh, guilt is, is, is looked upon as being something that's, uh, you know, virtually abhorrent and to be avoided. And that nobody, they try to get to people to say, you shouldn't feel guilty. There's other ways to deal with your problems. But guilt can be, and to be guilty can be a good thing. Um, to be guilty of a crime is always wrong. But when you become guilty before God, and you begin to know your true position before God, then when you, with guilt comes the, the, the knowledge or the way to be absolved of your guilt. And what, that's what the Bible says, that all the world may become guilty before God. Not just a few people, but a select people, but all the people need to know and understand this, that they have a responsibility before God, again, that the wages of sin is death, and that they're going to face the fires of hell unless they come to Christ as their God and Savior. And so then need to reprove and rebuke and then to exhort. This is the time when we need to encourage and we point to biblical solutions for, for the mindset that they're trying to overcome. Uh, it means to advise and to warn, to caution. 
It means to incite or stimulate to exertion. And so what you're, this is the time when, you're, when you worked in a relationship with somebody and you get to the point where they're under the conviction of sin, you begin to feel sorrow for sin, contrition, and then you begin to show them that while they're lost, there is a way that they can be saved through the, through the shed blood sacrifice of the Son of God, the Lord Jesus Christ. And so when it says in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 2, it says, For he saith, I have heard thee in a time accepted, and in the day of salvation have I succored, or assisted, or helped along, uh, helped you along, help along thee. Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. There, there may come times, and there should come a time, if you have opportunity, where you're going to be able to draw the bottom line with somebody. They've heard the word of God. They know that they're lost. They know that they're headed to hell. And then you need to draw the bottom line with them. And you, you don't want to be guilty of coaching them, falling into the traps of Roman rules evangelism. But when, when the Holy Spirit is truly working on them, it won't take much urging for them to come to the cross and believe on Christ. When they understand that they're lost and the only way of being saved is through Jesus Christ, then they will make the decision and come forward and, and believe on him. But it doesn't hurt to challenge people. When they get to the point where they, where they know what they need, show them what the scripture says and let them make the choice to believe. And to be long-suffering, this talks about patience. Uh, people may not respond immediately, but to keep on preaching. It says in 2 Peter 3, 9, The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. So, Sow the seed. Sow the seed. Sow the seed. Look up here on the slope. And all, all across Alaska, the seed is being sown. Uh, I think we just had a man from Caltag, wasn't it, made a response. For, the pastor didn't even know when, or maybe it was Togiak. Togiak. They don't even know when we sent the stuff out there, but... There we get a, somebody made a response. Um, and we should keep praying for those, for those souls in those villages that we've sent this material out to because that seed has been sown. Those John Romans, hopefully are in somebody's desk or they're in somebody's drawer along with that lesson. Maybe some of those tracks that when, when, they, somebody, when they're confronted with somebody in their village that's been suicide or facing depression, or, uh, or whatever, that they would remember and, and make an officer get a hold of this church to have uh, for their information about matters spiritual. You know, I was reminded of this, shared it with some of the guys that come over for prayer on Tuesday night. There was one part of my lawn now, it's all grown up in, in beautiful clover about this high, because <clears throat> I couldn't get out and mow the lawn. Caden uh, got me one time. But, um, but three years ago, I sold poppy seed out there. The first year, there were lots of poppies. 
And the next year there was, there was, there were some, but even this last fall now, after we got all the rains and stuff, here they pop up. That seed had been, we thought it was gone. We thought it was dormant. We thought it was dead. But that seed said, I'm fooling you. I got the right time right now, and I'm going to sprout, and I'm going to bloom. Well, we should pray for that, that some of these souls that, are, that have received truth in the past, that it would not, be, it would not return void, but it would have its, it, its work now, even in these latter days, um, to make a difference in their life. And so sometimes with people we need to be patient. It's something that I'm not very good at. Uh, the older I get, I think, you know, I'm getting more like that grumpy old man, you know, that people kind of typify old people. <laughs> I try not to do that, but it's, uh, it's something I'm fine. I'm fighting it, you know. As long as I keep fighting it, I guess that's, that's something, you know. And people are patient with me. Thank you for that. So, let's look at the last, oh, and, and doctrine. Reprove, rebuke, exhort, with all long suffering and doctrine. That's uh, the, the real teaching and preaching of God's word. Um, it all comes down to Bible doctrine, Bible teaching, Bible truth. People need to be taught. Um, in the, the Great Commission, uh, it's, <coughs> it says, you know, go ye therefore and teach all nations. Before a person can ever become a part of a God's family, can ever become an effective servant, he needs to hear God's word and he needs to hear it and believe it. 2 Timothy 3.16, it says, All scripture, that's from Genesis to Revelation, is given by inspiration of God and profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. The man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. That's the work of an ambassador to take the word of God out without fear or favor of men and to share it with the world around us. And then in the last two verses, it says, uh, so verses, uh, verse three and four, it says, for the time will come when they will not endure, that's talking about the world's people, they will not endure sound doctrine but after their own lusts lust shall they heap to themselves teachers, having itching ears, and they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned unto fables. And so again, <clears throat> there's, it talks about a lot about the fact that people may have religious overtures and so on. They don't want to hear the truth, but you know, they have a belief system, even if it's, you know, <clears throat> I was, I was uh, out with a guy, had a, had a guy that was coming to our home church and services there when I was in Gakona, and he was a fuel delivery guy, and I used to go out with him, and we'd stop at Chistachina and here and there and go along and uh, make fuel deliveries, and I'd talk to folks, hand out some tracks and stuff. This one guy, I, I was, uh, they were, he was delivering fuel, and I was talking to this one guy, and we got going a little bit, and I said, well, he says, uh, have you ever heard uh, the gospel? And he says, oh, yeah. And I said, well, yeah, yeah, well, uh, tell me about it. He says, well, I believe in the gospel of John Jones, talking about himself. And he was sincere. 
And that unfortunately is the way most of the world's people is, are. They need to know and understand what the Bible says truly and then give them the opportunity to act on it. Many of them are believing on the fables of just, just stories. In uh, 2 Peter 3.9, it talks about those that have cunningly devised fables. One is evolutionary humanism that holds people, you know, unaccountable. Without no God, why do they have to worry about anything? And in, unfortunately, many people are drawn to the easy things of, uh, of life. Some a religion that doesn't require anything, doesn't challenge them about their, their essential being, their sin. And many people, even now, I think that, uh, that speaks of a lot of people in our country today. Um, many people have gone towards the atheistic or agnostic viewpoint uh, but the Bible says, they say there is no God, but the Bible says the fool says in his heart there is no God. But they need to hear, nonetheless, whether they're openly resistant or if they're just, um, you know, floating through life, they need to hear. And God has commissioned us as ambassadors where his delegated authority from the creator of heaven and earth and all that is, he's given us this charge this responsibility to be his mouthpiece, to be his representative of the gospel message. Again, without the gospel, there can be no salvation. Without the truth going out into the world, none can be brought to the light of Christ. And so I would uh, ask you to think on that. It's, uh, it helps me to get a clearer focus of uh, what God wants for me and for you. Uh, for those of you that are active and working in your workplaces and so, and so on, you know, continue in that. For some that maybe aren't, well, get going. You know, so I'm looking forward to getting back in the jail. You, everybody in the jail is saved, but uh, most of them are all lost. They need to hear the truth. Uh, and so wherever you are, instant in season, out of season, do all that you can do for the glory of God and uh, we can be faithful to this charge that God has given us this responsibility. Okay, that's all I've got. So let's take it serious and be thinking on that today. Think about that, this, this portion of scripture, what it relates to you and how you can fulfill your position as an ambassador of the Lord Jesus Christ sent out from Blackwood Baptist Church. Okay.